millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Welcome to Wood Talk. Now here are three guys who can never resist a good butt joint joke. Mark, Shannon, and Matt. All right, it's Wood Talk number 393 for June 26, 2017. On today's show, we're talking about fixing a blued gouge. Uh, wasn't that from last week? Shannon didn't have a chance to answer it. That's correct. He's just reused The holdover. It. Nice. It I was, like that. It was left in there, so, you know, I didn't want to work today. Fair enough. Fair enough. I would have I would have done the same thing. Uh, material for shop cabinets and gluing up a big butcher block countertop. Uh, we also want to mention that today's show is sponsored by Bruso Hardware. Now, be sure to check out Bruso's Photo Extra newsletter. It's really good. Just a weekly update from Bruso dedicated to customer-submitted photos. Bruso's customers work on detailed projects, including ring boxes, humidors, keepsakes, gun boxes, and furniture. It's an excellent source of inspiration for your next project. The newsletter is short, quick, has great photos, and is delivered right to your inbox. To sign up, visit brusso.com slash photo extra. That's all one word, brusso.com slash photo extra. And we'd like to thank some folks who uh, supported us with donations or, uh, you know, Patreon contributions. Robert DeVries, he said this is in celebration of Matt's 100th episode. Which, That's scary. When did we ter- determine exactly when that is? Is that today? I don't know. I guess two ninety three is when I started. Right? Is that what it is? That we, we talk- decided. I know we talked about it before. I don't know. I think it was two ninety three. I go back. Okay. Except so- the way it's spelled in the show notes, it, it looks like it's to celebrate Matt's one hundred episode. So I well, think it's you know. a challenge. Yeah, there's no e in there for the next for the next one hundred episodes. Matt celibate? will be celibate. Good news, Matt. Um, I don't think so. I think the tension <laughs> on the show will be a little bit uh, difficult. We'll see. But at least there won't be any more Cremonas added to the world. So that's a good thing. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) Okay. Anyway, uh, we'd like to thank some folks who helped us out also on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodtalk. Stephen Henley, Mike Finneran, Gabe Buckner, Joshua Pittendrig, and uh, Wesley Robbie Chaplin. So thank you so much, folks, for helping us out. We truly appreciate it. Just go to patreon.com slash woodtalk, and you can find out how you can help support the show. And uh, I think we can get to what's on the bench. I am moving into the five-chair build. I feel like I'm going to be saying this for a number of weeks. 
for for a while. And um, and the tricky thing was I I'm sitting here thinking, okay, little details, right? I want to change a few things, just just little things to make it look a little bit nicer. And uh, the the problem is every change I come up with is times 10 and possibly times 20, depending on what I'm doing. So I'm like, okay, I have this great idea to take the two front faces of each front leg and just kind of pillow them a little bit from side to side across the thickness. So instead of just being this blocky square looking thing with a, a rounded over edge, I'm going to actually pillow them slightly. And it, I think it looks fantastic. It's a really cool thing. But then it hit me. I got to do this. <laughs> Not just 10 times. It's 10 legs, but two faces each 20 times. So suddenly it's like I have this war where it's like I want to get this project done. How much do I actually put into it before I back off and say, okay, okay, that's enough. It looks fine. Let's not worry about it. But these are chairs I'm going to have to live with like forever. I don't, I mean, until the kids break them, I'm sure. But uh, we're, we're going to be dealing with these chairs for a long time. Am I going to want to look at them every time and go, darn it, I wish I would have added that one detail. You know, or you so. can always make a new set if it doesn't work out perfectly. Yeah, that sounds good. That sounds like a good yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, I'll yeah. be saving those <laughs> templates. You know, the whole thing where you save templates because someday you might use them and you just never do. So maybe, <laughs> maybe I'll actually reuse them in the future. Got a whole uh, stack on the wall back there. Yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. like, oh yeah, gotta save this because I mean that's that's what you do, right? <laughs> you save templates. I mean, don't don't most wall formal cover. dining rooms have twelve chairs? So you know, how you big is your dining five. room? It's apparent. Well, when you have a main house. <laughs> A secondary oh, yeah. house and a tertiary house, your dining rooms get pretty big. Oh, yeah. I, all right. I'll give you that one. That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, I've, it's just the struggle uh, of how many little details do I want to do before I just say, all right, I need, I need to do other stuff. And I think it is kind of the content thing. It's not the workload thing that's hitting me. It's the content thing. I want to be able to move to the next project to put on the free site. And I can't do that if I'm still building these dining chairs. So um, there's that little internal battle going back and forth for me. You can just do what I do and just go ahead and start another project Uh and then regret it like six weeks later when you're (laughs) in the middle of five projects at the same time and trying to figure out, yeah, what can I get done with an hour of shop time on six different projects? Right. My, I know myself way too well. I do not work good in that situation. Like I've got to finish one thought before starting another. So yeah, can't do that, but I admire those who can. I, I can't do it either. I'm just saying <laughs> that's what I do. Well, you do it. It just doesn't, you know, it doesn't I'm not recommending it. I'm just saying it is a possible course of action. Yeah, for sure. Um, all right, Matt, what about you? What's going on? Uh, biggest thing last week is I finally got around to emptying out the basement for the first time from since having the, the bandsaw mill thing here. So I've emptied out what? 700 board feet of lumber, Whoa. something like that. I mean, we talked about it a long time ago when I stacked it all back in February. But I figured what ended up happening is what I figured would happen. And it's like the four quarter lumber was dry a while ago. And there was some eight quarter lumber in there as well. And then you're like, yeah, probably not going to get around to unstacking it anytime soon when that four quarter was dry. So I waited until all, everything was dry. <laughs> so I, I got everything out and I did a little. I tried a little experiment. I had an open house, like a one-day notice open house. Like, if anybody wants to buy any of this stuff, they can come and pick out whatever they want before I have to take it all the way to the shed. Mm-hmm. So I was able to get rid of about half of it, and the rest of it's out in the shed. So at least I'd have to move as much as far and That's get stacked in the shed. So that was that was kind of a nice little little thing. We had, uh, I think, about 15 people stop by. Nobody drank enough beer because I have... Way too much left. Okay, it's fine. I'm okay with it, but there is a lot of beer left over. 
was going to ask, did you bake cookies? Isn't that what you're supposed to do at open houses? I just had beer. Okay. It was just a beer thing. <laughs> well, I'm sure they buy more after they're a little tipsy. Well, I figured it would be a good investment, you know. Might as well. Mm-hmm. I was a little, I was a little more chatty. It was, it was good. Nice. Oh, so, so it was just for you then? Did you let the <laughs> guests sure have Matt beer? Matt has a good time. <laughs> so you might have sold more if you let the guests have. Yeah, some seriously. Beer. He's like, well, I got, a, I got a 12 pack here. You can't have any, but you know, this is my beer. It's my selling it's beer. For me. It's but for you me, guys maybe. driving down the roads with uh, just you know a bunch of boards on top of the car with a single bungee cord and weaving all over the roads. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good thought. Let's get them drunk before they hit the road with a with a load in the back of a vehicle. That's a good idea. I like your thinking, Matt. Clearly, clearly you think hey, ahead on this. I'm always thinking of great ideas. You know? yeah, you are. Yeah. All the ideas are good. I'll tell you what it's, needs more beer is... a repeat is, customer base that's a little difficult to come by. Yeah. I think what needs more beer is this show, frankly. I think we'd do a better show if we were drunk, or at least... Probably would have been a good idea. Just a I've got some here. If you guys want some, I can, uh, I, I can do I have some a, on your behalf. I have a vitamin B infused life water. How, That's that? living on the edge, man. Yeah, baby. <laughs> yeah. it's almost as bad as my uh, my giant water here. <laughs> 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 All right, well, that's cool, uh, Shannon. What about you? Uh, I took a group of Hantel School students to the Winterthur Museum um, yesterday. That's weird. We're recording on a you actually s- recording on a weekend. It's throwing me off. Right. It's a little unusual, but I, I'm going to stop you right there. When you say this, I picture you in a little yellow bus and everybody's got their packed <laughs> lunch. That would have been awesome. You know what I mean? Like just, I don't know. Were they you know, you know, it would have been the short bus, right? Yes, of course. It had to be yeah. the short bus. No, we all drove. We met there. Um, if you aren't familiar, Winterthur is, um, it's owned by the DuPont family. It's in Delaware. It's uh, good Lord. I think 115 rooms of their 90,000 artifacts. Hmm. It's just, it's kind of the Mecca uh, for, for furniture. Um, certainly it's mostly period furniture. You know, I guess you could consider shaker furniture to be period furniture as well, but um, just incredible, incredible craftsmanship. And we booked a kind of a custom uh, furniture oriented tour. You can go and you can pay your $17 and take your stay inside the velvet rope, walk on the plastic sheeting tour with, you know, a whole bunch of people in a single file line moving through the house. Or you can take this custom thing, which, you know, we had to set up and we had to break into groups of four because I love, I love the reason for this is so certainly they gave us each a tour guide, but they can't have any more than four in a group because that many can't fit in the service elevator. <laughs> and believe me, four people in a tour guide in that service elevator, it was a little questionable. Like mm-hmm. she opens the door and we're like, really? Like we're all going in this? <laughs> Suck it in guys. <laughs> okay, then here we go. So it was just this very um, kind of intimate look, you know, beyond the velvet rope. You're not allowed to touch anything. They can't open any drawers. They can't do any of that stuff. Only curators are allowed to do that with white gloves. But we can crawl under stuff all day long. Um, yeah. I took a whole bunch of video. I mean, and literally, I'm like looking at um, some inlay banding and stuff on a Seymour uh, desk. And my, my nose is like inches from it. So, I mean, really, really cool access. Like, if you've ever been in the Smithsonian, it's up on a pedestal. You know, there's like motion sensor lights around it. You step within like three feet of it, you get thrown out of the building. <laughs> this was really, we got a really good look at stuff. We were crawling under Windsor chairs, look at how they were patched, and we were allowed to take photos. You're allowed to take video, which didn't used to happen. Mm-hmm. The last time I did this with Chuck Bender, it was show up with a pencil and a notepad, and that's all. 
That's all you're allowed to take into the room. Wow. Um, so it was, it was a really incredible experience. Um, the tour guide that, that my little group had, she'd been there for 35 years and was so obviously as enamored with the furniture as a bunch of these woodworkers were. So she was having just as much fun as we were. It was, it was a really, really cool event. You know, then we, we got, got lunch together, chatted, talked woodworking. Just, it was just awesome. It's so cool to, to, you know, break beyond the computer screen and meet people face to face. And, Mm -hmm. and of course, you know, to add the whole museum to it. That was, it was such a great, great afternoon. Want to do it again. Nice. Look at you guys. You got one of you having an open house. The other one's taking kids on a tour to a museum. I'm sitting around doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. You guys make me feel lazy. Uh, uh, I had, a, I had a, a list of who was allowed to have peanuts and who wasn't. Yeah, who's got the allergies? <laughs> stressful, man. It was really stressful. I had the EpiPen. Epi oh. That's rough. I hope you got a uh, you know uh, permission slips from all their parents. It's very important. <laughs> okay, let's get into what's new. Uh, first one is Andy's sliding door build. It's a YouTube video. Um, admittedly, I, I haven't seen this, but I have seen the door. I've seen some of the preview put stuff. Your name next to it. So, I did. I just watched it. It's captivating. It's awesome. Uh, yeah, I put the names randomly there, Matt. <laughs> doesn't matter whose <laughs> name goes there. Uh, you know what? The other thing is, speaking of Andy, I let him down by not watching his video, and then I let him down by not showing up to his demo at the local Rockler store. So he has his... Um, what kind of friend are you? I'm I'm really not, clearly. The, the, <laughs> the miter fold blade, that whole thing, yeah. I was doing a demo yeah. on Saturday, and I just got caught up with uh, mowing lawns and dealing with the kids and stuff, and I just didn't get a chance to go. Um, so I told you mean you mean the product on the cover of the Rockler catalog? They've that been, miter fold blade? They've been pushing yeah. that big time. Yeah. Heck so yeah. I hope it's doing well, well for them. It was interesting to see because in Andy's video, first of all, just cool. Anytime you, you get in, it's one of the reasons I watched Matt's sawmill build because it was like welding and stuff that I don't do. Mm-hmm. And it was really kind of interesting. Um, but there's also a, a, a hidden Easter egg. If you've been in the know on Andy's possible new product, he's got a new product that involves this planer. Just watch the video and you might see it. <gasps> if you, uh, if people were watching me live, they might see it behind me somewhere. But no. you can't, maybe it's too far away. No. No. <laughs> okay, never mind. They, they might <laughs> not. <laughs> are, are, are you talking about Mateo? Oh, yes, yes. Product? Yes, yeah. Mateo is a... So, uh, we're, we're power He's so good. We have to do with that? That's questionable. Yeah, we decided to mass produce them. We, we really like our kids. Cool. Okay, so <laughs> what do we got next? They, they're threaded. Um, this is from Lee. He says, via HFF Com's YouTube channel, I found an older video of a steam-powered sawmill, and it made me think of Matt. Oh, <laughs> It's a bit long and almost 20 minutes, but it is really fascinating. I agree. It's really well shot. It's very high def. I don't know what it is. So many times when you see these, like, sawmill videos, it's like some dude with a 360p, you know, camera angle, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, I should talk. If you go far enough back in my library, you'll see that because this stuff's been there that long, but it's a uh, really well done. And I don't know, anytime I see steam powered stuff, it's just fascinating to me. Like you can get that much power out of a dude shoveling random trash into a boiler. It's really, yeah. There's actually a great <laughs> shot where it's not like he's loading firewood into the boiler. He's got this shovel and he's just scooping up like random detritus on the ground, throwing <laughs> it in there. It's like, Hey, that's great. You should have had him come to your place, Matt, for the open house. He could have found yeah, all kinds good. of stuff to burn. That's like the classic <laughs> version of Mr. Fusion from back to the yeah. future, right? Just shove yeah. garbage in, you get energy out. It's great. Peels everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
All right, this next one's from James. Says, not sure if this is good enough to talk about, but maybe Mark can use it to make fun of Matt. Yeah, yeah I need more of that. Yeah, right, exactly. I have an addiction for tools and board games. Yep, super popular with the ladies, and this came to my attention. Uh, Lignum, Latin for wood, because that's a useful thing to know, is a board game about cutting down trees and making lumber and selling it. Perhaps this could be the system Matt uses as a business plan. Thanks for what you guys do. Hmm. Okay. So I did look at this, and it is literally a game where, like, it's like, uh, I don't know, like, Sim City, but lumber mill. You got some yep. space. You decide what you want to do with the space. You want to be like milling. You want drying sheds. You want log storage or whatever. And you just try and make as much lumber as possible, I guess. <clears throat> in, in all seriousness, I saw this when I put it into the notes. Mm-hmm. I went and bought it. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> I'm, take, I'm taking this to work, and we're going to use it oh. as a training tool. <laughs> there you go. That's cool. I put man. it on the company Amex card. We're taking it to work. And new salespeople, they got to play seven rounds of this before they're allowed to go out of the building. Sweet. I like that. All right. Next bit of news we have here. You may or may not even have heard of this company, but I've they've been on my radar for a while. Um, did you hear a Geek Chic? Basically, yeah. I think most people are became aware of them when they were on Shark Tank. And uh, as I understand it, they, they did reach a deal with them, but... Uh, in talking to the people, the deal just never went through. Um, but since then, you know, they got some good notoriety there amongst gaming people, um, you know, board gamers and classic gamers. It, their furniture and their entire line of products uh, is is really awesome. Just, you know, things from um, like comic book storage to gaming tables that just are multifunctional. Um, you know, obviously I took some inspiration from them when I did the gaming table in the guild and their products are just amazing. But it's one of those interesting companies that's doing things kind of the hard way, you know, with with solid materials and really putting some good effort into it, but trying to mass produce these, at least at some level, that that they become a very popular company. Everybody wants their stuff. So they went out of business just recently. And um, I don't know any of the details. I'm just kind of sharing this because I think it's interesting to observe what can happen with the life cycle of a company like this, trying to do basically, you know, make pieces that the three of us might make, uh, but do it on a much larger scale and whether or not that's feasible or not. And maybe there were just bad decisions made, who knows? Uh, But it'll be an interesting study if we can get some details on that stuff. Uh, but yeah, so the, the, I think the worst part of this though, and I don't, again, don't know any of the details. I'm sure it's all very inside info, but I'm wondering what's happening to all the people who put deposits down on tables because you can't get this stuff ordered and they had a really long backlog for some of this stuff. So what the heck happened to the, these people's money? Is it just gone? You know, scary stuff. So does that mean you can start calling your gaming table the gaming table again? <laughs> no, I've always been able to, but now I'm going to call. I'm going to refer to it as it's pretty geek chic. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Maybe I'll get away uh, with that. Wow. So yeah. we're sad to see them go, but apparently not that much. <laughs> <laughs> so what is sad? No, I, I'm to- totally sad about no. it. I think it sucks. And they were. They've never. There's been no interaction. I think when I designed the gaming table, I was very careful not to step on their toes. It was like, I specifically avoided even looking at their stuff until mine was a fully formed idea. Um, so hopefully, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure they did. We weren't even on the radar. <laughs> I'm guessing <laughs> you never know, but anyway, interesting yeah. news. All right, let's get into our kickback. So first one here is a voicemail. I think so. Where is it? Food safe. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, a voicemail from Bob regarding our discussion about, Food safe uh, finishes last week. 
This is Bob DeVries, by the way. Greetings from Tulip City. This is Bob. Here's a little kickback on the discussion concerning food safe finishes. I grew up in a time when they still used lead in house paint. And, um, oh crap, where was I going with this? Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, too much lead like in your house paint, Bob. <laughs> yeah, so obviously, has a, you know, maybe had some effect on the memory, possibly. <laughs> uh, very funny. Thanks, Bob. Um, and next one here, Shannon, you got that one. Yep. Hey, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. What's up? On hey. Wood Talk 391, you guys tried to answer a question about woodworkers and upholstery. Well, you two did. That was after you kicked me off the show. Correct. You. Never mind. So and so is. As you noted, there are not many resources to choose from. However, Norm Abram on the New Yankee Workshop did two projects that has some easy for woodworker, some easy for woodworkers upholstery projects. Hmm. What is he saying about woodworkers? They're there. not very good at other things. Apparently. Oh. Uh, a cigar chair from season 15 and a tufted ottoman when large ottomans in living rooms were all the rage from season 17. Although these are not free resources, they were excellent examples of what an average woodworker could do. So we will include the links in the show notes. It's one of those things where you can, you can purchase your measured drawings from these links. I imagine <laughs> and probably, uh, probably, probably even a VHS tape if you wanted to. Mm-hmm. Do they offer downloads yet? I think that you still have to buy a DVD. It's DVD and it's still very expensive. Yeah. Uh, you know what? I forgot to put this in the show notes, but this is uh, some good information here. Make sure you go, if you're interested in this upholstery stuff, go to episode 391 on woodtalkshow.com. Look at the comments. There's three or four comments uh, giving us resources. So DIY upholstery supply. Uh, Mark says they have a lot of good videos. Um, there was a interview, I guess, or something on 360 Woodworking with Mike Michelle, and I guess there's some good info there, as well as I, I tried to mention it on the show. I couldn't remember who did it, but I think it's popular woodworking. I believe someone mentioned, yeah, Margaret says, uh, you mentioned a DVD that recently came out from a big company, thought it might be what you were talking about. So go to shopwoodworking.com and look for the basic upholstery techniques for woodworkers. And that is also a DVD probably available for download as well. So those okay. are the resources we were talking about. Cool. Yeah. Well, this next one comes from William. He says, hi, guys. I wanted to ask a question regarding the new co-host. Wait, what now? Did you carefully plan to do a complete 180 and eliminate Shannon's mostly (laughs) traditional woodworking style and expertise and instead go for the ultra high tech of the new guy, Mr. Roboto? Or did did things just (laughs) kind of turned out that way? Either way is cool. I was just curious. Also, a follow-up question to ponder. If a robot uses a hand plane, doesn't that make it a power tool anyway? Well, William, you son of a so-and-so. What do you mean it's just cool? Either way is cool. Yeah, it's fine either way. <laughs> You're out of the circle of trust, William. That's it. And how come we didn't give uh, Matt a kickback? Got two shots in here. What's up with that? You know, I don't know. Mark just assigns them and we just follow. Silence the like, Mona. Wait, like I'm getting good less, little, less reading good little soldiers. Yeah, Matt's not as so long as I can reading. just laugh, I don't care. You know, <laughs> in my laugh time. Harry Giggler. All I need. In Got full a quota to meet. Um, okay, so the thing with uh, with Bob coming on the show was this is what it came down to. Oh, Shannon's not going to be able to make it here next week. Let me look at my Twitter feed. Okay, who who have I, <laughs> I who have I DM'd lately? Oh, that's right. I had I talked to Bob about this. Okay, hey Bob, Twitter what are you doing? Roulette. <laughs> 
And actually, I'll, t- I'll tell you, I talked to um, April Wilkerson. Uh, she was my, my first invite, and I think she was out of town or doing something or just doesn't like us. I can't remember. But <laughs> I think she's scared of us, so uh, she wasn't able to do it. And I was like, well, you know what, Bob? Oh. Hopefully Bob is available. Um, and he was. So that's they really put a whole lot of thought into it because you know, that's what we do. Yep. Okay. So just in case you thought Shannon didn't talk enough, here you go. Shannon's Lumber Industry Update. There's a lot of uh, rumblings in the lumber world this week, at least to the land, yeah. I think, if you read a USA Today article. Um, <laughs> what, I, what I find funny is we had something entirely else to talk, different to talk about. And mm-hmm. it was like, well, I guess we better talk about the lawsuit, the lawsuit against Home Depot and Menards about dimensional lumber, which I find very funny because we've talked about that on the show before. Yes. But it was a lawsuit against Lowe's and, and kind of like with Nick Offerman on last week's show on the Wired thing. This made big news because it was in USA Today. Yep. <laughs> Meanwhile, there's all kinds of other stuff going on in the lumber industry that no one's paying attention to or cares about. All anybody wants to talk about is the lawsuit. So I, I, I can't imagine. I mean, I'm no lawyer, but legal precedent has already been set against mm-hmm. Lowe's to the point where in my local Home Depot, they followed Lowe's example and have already started listing. Now, it says in big big, bigger font, one by six in parentheses underneath that says three quarter by five and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, but every single stick of lumber is marked with both nominal and actual dimensions, both at the Lowe's and at the Home Depot. So I'm guessing that it's not the same at Home Depot's. I don't have a Menards anywhere near me, so I couldn't tell you there. But what's interesting is legal precedent was already set when Lowe's lost essentially and now had to start labeling actual dimensions on their lumber does does that mean that you can just go after any company and and say hey here's the precedent you're gonna lose basically i mean i i I guess every company now has to follow suit even though lowe's was the one that was originally sued the fact that home depot and menards have continued business as usual I guess makes them just perfectly right for a class action lawsuit. Or so, or maybe they haven't though. Maybe they did comply just to cover their butts and this is just retroactive in some way. It could be. It could be. So anyway, again, from my perspective, Home Depot has already done this. So because we've been joking about this at the lumber yard for like three years. Yeah, I think it's twenty fourteen was the original Lowe's <laughs> yeah. lawsuit. And it's interesting because you when you read the story, you know, they're talking to Home Depot and Menards people and um, I have to laugh because the, the logic and the reasoning is, is, well, everybody knows this, like anybody in the trade knows that a one by six is not actually one by six. And that's the same, you know, I work in the lumber industry, but I got to say, we're really bad at that. Well, we've been doing it that way for two centuries. So everybody knows that and turns out no. And as much as I work in the lumber industry, I kind of, I am so not a litigious person. I hate that that's where we are in society, but I kind of have to laugh and go, you know what, guys, you, this was going to happen eventually. The fact that so many lumber companies still adhere to things like four quarter and eight quarter and sell stuff by a volumetric um, amount, even though most people are building and applying in a linear amount, eventually we're all going to get, we're all going to get sued because we're using, you know, 
a vernacular that that no one speaks. We just assume everyone speaks it. And a lot of instances, we forced our customers to speak that because we don't want to change, mm-hmm. you know. And I, and I do mean we, because as you know, I work in this industry and I have been since for the last seven years, I've been saying, hey, maybe we need to change kind of let's be the first company to 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 make it more accessible and do this. But the entire industry, it, it's kind of like the the whole do I want to switch to metric living in the U.S. when everything is still imperial? You know, and it's like, well, think about all the retooling, all the stuff that I've got to do, all the conversions that I will end up doing because I want to be the progressive one and go to metric, even though the rest of the world's on Imperial. It's the same thing. If on the, the bleeding edge, if we decide, okay, we're going to call everything by nominal dimensions, we're going to ditch the volumetric measures, we're going to ditch the four quarter stuff. Um, but everything upstream of that is sold the same way and is using that terminology. Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's a solution other than, I guess... Somebody's got to sue somebody. Sue the pants so. off them. <laughs> so, yeah, there's the big story. You know, it's it's all a matter of people who are in the trade going, well, this is stupid. Everybody knows this. But in my experience, I've got professionals who have been building beautiful things longer than I've been alive that could not that would look at you like a deer in the headlights. If you said, are you aware what a nominal versus actual dimensions are? Mm-hmm. They'll look at you and go say, what now? So, yeah, yeah. let yeah. alone you know, the, the average DIYer that just bought their first house and wandered at Home Depot looking to buy um, some wood to build, you know, shelves. Yeah. So. Now, if I remember correctly, maybe I'm wrong, but I could have sworn the Lowe's thing was not just like the whole dripping with frivolous lawsuit sort of deal that they actually were making, bringing in lumber that was even smaller than what people expected it to be. Even if you know what traditional, you know, nominal versus actual is. I think you're right. Does that ring a bell? Because I'm pretty sure that was something that it like had to do with that, uh, which made it a little bit better. But I'm wondering with this new lawsuit, are we looking at the same thing? Is it where they're trying to squeeze in lumber that is truly smaller than even the expected actual dimensions? Right. From, from what I've read, it is at face value. This is labeled as a one by six and it's actually three quarter by five and a half. Okay. Um, and what's, what's interesting is yes, that adheres to the allowable standards by the lumber trade, by the national, um, I can't remember which governing body it is for softwoods, but by, by the national woman, that is, it is is actually regulated. The minimum allowable amount would be for a one by six would be three quarter by five and a half. Mm -hmm. What I find funny is what do you think the size of that board is? It's three quarter by five and a half. You know, they're not going to make it seven, eight, but <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. You're not getting no you bonus. Know? Yeah. We're not, we're not asking for the minimum amount of flair. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's just, it's what, it's the same thing with grades. You know, the minimum allowable thing to fit into this grade is, is 83% to be FAS. So you better believe every board is 83%. It's not 90% clear. Yeah. No, we can't, you know, why would we do that? So it's going to the lowest common denominator, but I think you're right, Mark. I think Lowe's, I think what it started was, was the same lawsuit. And what ended up happening is they got them on the fact that, well, you're not even meeting the minimum standards. Right. So, and, and what I wonder is, I don't, I don't know. I'm being naive. I'm sure. But Lowe's is probably not intentionally buying smaller stuff, but they were buying smaller stuff that was already wet Mm. and then they dried. And now suddenly it's not three quarters of an inch thick or five and a half inches wide because that sopping wet softwood you just brought in is now five and a quarter inches wide because it dried sitting on those elevated shelves in the lows. You know, who knows? Mm. It's just, 
part of me feels like it's totally frivolous, but that's just my knee jerk reaction to to our litigious society. But at the same time, I feel like the lumber industry eventually is going to get what's coming to them. Yeah. I'm kind of wondering when the, the plywood lawsuit's coming. Right. Oh yeah. Plywood so the same thing there. Thinner and thinner. That's a good point. It's, it's labeled three quarters of an inch. I mean, mm-hmm. in a lot of cases, but you know, that's the other thing I want to take a closer look next time I'm there uh, to see exactly how that stuff is labeled. But I'll tell you what, we'll keep our eye on the story. I was just there. It's labeled three quarter. Is it? So they don't even bother. <laughs> okay. Three quarter, half quarter, whatever. Well, it's guys, all here undersized. we go. I think let's, let's start it up. Who's got a lawyer contact? <laughs> there we, we go. Need some quick cash. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> Screw this podcasting stuff. I want to make the big money. Okay. Yeah. We'll keep you, we'll keep you abreast of anything uh, that, that happens. If anything interesting happens with this case and let's get into our voicemail. First one here is from Barry. Hey, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. This is Barry from Seven Mile Ford, Virginia, a place so small, we don't even have a zip code. Anyway, I've got a question for you today about several small boxes. Basically, I am being tasked with building several small drawer trays. They're about two and a half inches tall, and they'll be various sizes, no no more than 16 inches wide and three or four inches across. Not very big, in other words. They're going to be all made out of quarter-inch thick stock, and I'll just be using quarter-inch plywood for the bottom. My question is, on the corners, you know, you've got the miter, you've got a butt joint with some pins, you've got box joints, you've got lock miters, you've got rabbits, you've got all kinds of options for the corner joint. I want something that's simple, I want something that's relatively strong, and as these trays are put in and taken out of drawers and so forth, I want them to look okay. The issue that I have is I've got to make a bunch of them. So I'm curious what you might do to approach this task if you were making, let's say, 50 of these trays. And I do have a lock miter bit for the router table. I do have a box joint jig and dado stack. I do have probably any of the tools necessary to get this done. I just don't want to have to spend a whole bunch of fuss and muss to do them. Now, they're all identical as far as the thickness of the stock, but they're not going to be all identical as far as the overall dimensions. So I need to be careful to not just say, hey, I'm going to batch out a bunch of these because they will vary in size. I'll have no more than three or four that will be the same size. So I hope that gives you all you need to answer my question, and I hope I'm not overthinking it. Thanks so much for all you do. I appreciate the show, and thank you guys. All right. Throw this one to Matt. What do you think? So when he says they're all the same size, they're all different depths too? I think that's the really distinguishing thing here. Is it like the width of each board is going to change? Because that kind that of screws things up. off quite a bit. Yeah, that screws things up a little bit. But length shouldn't be a problem. No. No, that wouldn't matter. I would probably do, oh, I don't know. Maybe box joints. Mm-hmm. Something quick you can do on the table saw fairly, fairly quick. You know, very strong. And I think it looks decent. Um, and then I guess... It depends on how you're going to attach the bottom as well, I guess. Because then you yeah. got to kind of worry about like, if you're going to do like a groove, <laughs> then you got that little hole that you got to deal with, or you got to do stopped. Wait, on a quarter inch <clears throat> stock, that, like, that stop is like an eighth of an inch from the end of the board. Right. So it gets even more interesting. Yeah, if you're going to house the joint, the bottom like that, it, I think miters are the only way to go. Because it's the only way to avoid that, you know? Yeah. Definitely speed things up for sure. And with box joints, you're right. The width, the depth of that box is going to totally screw up everything because you'll change your spacing every time. Well, yeah. and if it stupid compressor is going off, 
if <laughs> if it is the same, because chances are, if we're just talking about top drawers in a kitchen, all the drawers are generally going to be the same depth, so the width of the board should be the same. If that's the case, right. then you could just put a few minutes into designing a temporary box joint jig, you know, and just kind of using that that's specifically made for that width of board, and he should be able to batch through them in no time. But again, you still have that exposed uh, groove and hole for the the corners. But if I mean, if you if you put it so that they're facing the side, maybe that's not that big of a deal. But how often are these inserts going to be removed from a drawer? Think about it. I don't it. know. I, I, I've got inserts in a couple of my drawers for utensils, and I don't think we've ever taken them out yet. You know, I guess other than to maybe clean and dust in there or something, but I don't know. Is that really loud? Is that a problem? It's pretty loud. I mean, for you, I think it would be. I don't think you'd find it acceptable. I think you would kick you off the show I probably show would right kick now. me yeah. off the show. Okay, yeah. guys, I'll, uh, I'll see you later. <laughs> Yeah, but and, what and, I find and, funny is that the outside of this show, he was very clear to say, Mateo, don't make any noise. Yeah. And Mateo's just been quiet as anything, and, <laughs> and Mark's the one making noise now. Yeah, well, Mateo <laughs> left like 10 minutes ago. I think he flicked the uh, compressor on while he was on his way into the house. <laughs> yeah. I'll show Dad. Tell me oh, to be quiet. He's getting to the age where he's spiteful now. I love yeah, it. Yeah, he's, he's no dummy, that's for sure. Uh, you, okay. know, you know what I find conspicuously missing from this conversation is he mentioned the lock miter bit. And neither one of us, none of us are going, yeah, oh yeah, use that lock it. miter bit. <laughs> you know what you do? Here's what you do with that lock miter bit. All right. You go into the kitchen, you find your nearest garbage can and you throw it in there. <laughs> That's what yeah. you do with a lock miter bit. No, <laughs> no offense to those who like it. I, I think. Or for hey. a bigger fanfare, throw it down the garbage disposal and see what happens. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a good one. It'll make more noise than Mark's compressor. That is so true. Okay. Let's get to a question we have here from Patty. Hey guys, this is Patty from Washington, D.C. So sorry to bring this up again. Uh, in one of your recent episodes, you talked about boards moving and how thin can it be to not have a problem when you have a, a fixed edge on the board and you're attaching a thin strip to, um, let's say, a piece of plywood underlayment. My question is related but slightly different. I was in the process of actually making a barn sliding door using the very technique you were just talking about was a problem as I was listening to the podcast. However, I'm using, um, I think it's Douglas fir or it's uh, some other kind of pine, out of an old house on Capitol Hill. It was the studs, and the house, when they gutted it, was 100 years old, and it's old-growth wood, and so I'm guessing the wood is what, 200, at least 300 years old? I don't really know. It is dry, 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 dry. So my question is, is there a point where the wood is a certain age or a certain dryness where you don't have to worry about it moving and busting out the edges? Thank you so much. Enjoy your show. Bye-bye. That's a really interesting question. I've never thought about it. I just assume that any board, regardless of its age, and when we say it's dry, it's just really aged. It's you know, probably no drier than it was before, but do, do, is there anything to that? Does older wood that's been around for hundreds of years move any less than uh, standard kiln dried stock or air, air dried stock for that matter uh, that we have on hand now? No. So it's still nope. going to move. It's, it's still wood. It is still wood. <laughs> it's still hydroscopic. Yeah, so, so, I mean, what the, the thing that I think, there is merit there is what Mark just said is, is really well dried kiln dried stock. Um, it will move not less, but slower 
it responds slower to the changes in, in, in climate changes because it's got hardened cell walls. Um, but really, really old stock. Nope. Still would still yeah. going to move. <laughs> still would. I like that. Mm-hmm. That's a good answer. Mm-hmm. Nope. Still would. Still would. Yeah. How cool is that though? <laughs> a couple hundred years old from an old house and she's converting it, you know, using it in a, a barn door. That's a pretty cool project. Yeah, that's a, that's if that's it came cool off too. Capitol Hill, if it came off Capitol Hill, it's probably McIlvain lumber actually from a couple hundred years ago. Oh, really? Nice. And Douglas fir is not pine either, but that's okay. Hmm. It's still wood. <laughs> it's all wood. Sean. Thank you. I was so hoping you were going to say it, but it's wood. <laughs> it's wood. Wood is wood. Okay, so uh, next one we have here is from Chris. Hi, Mark, Shannon, and Matt. This is Chris Robinson from State College, PA. First of all, I'd like to thank you for the show. I watch in or listen every week. As I become less and less a fan of throwing sawdust around my small, attached garage shop, Plus the fact my six-year-old son seems to have an allergy towards it. I'm investigating the transition to more work with hand tools. So this is probably geared more towards Shannon. Don't do it! It's important to note that I will be hybrid milling, outside most likely, with a lunchbox planer. But I do not have a joiner, and if this transition goes well, hopefully won't have a need for one. Through my research, I have developed an interest in wooden planes. There seems to be a dearth of modern wooden plane manufacturers, and the Scott Meek planes are a bit out of the budget for now. Putting aside the choice of buying antique planes and restoring them, once again, at least for now, or building them, do you have any suggestions for modern wood plane options? I've noticed that Infinity Tools has come out with a line, but there does not seem to be much information online regarding their quality yet. Thanks for any feedback you could provide, and keep up the great work with the show. As an aside, if Mark doesn't pay attention while Shannon is answering about hand tools, I won't take offense. I'm already napping, so just go for it. Uh, so I, I have looked at the infinity tools. I've had several, um, handle school people come to me about them. To me, they look almost exactly the same as DC Emmerich, the ones that have been out of Germany for many, many years. Um, I know a few people who've bought the infinity tool, uh, planes and have been very, very happy with them. And frankly, if you look at them, they're almost identical to the Emmerich planes and there's not really a lot to go wrong, frankly. I mean, I guess the part that could go bad would be, you know, crappy steel and the blade. Um, but you know, it's good quality. I think they're even made out of beach like the Emmerich ones. So, um, I, I wouldn't have a problem with them. Um, it's interesting because we have another, we had another question somewhere about middle of the road type hand tools. And I think this fits that bill nicely. Um, they're, they're very inexpensive. So, so inexpensive to the point where it's kind of like nothing ventured, nothing gained. Um, I don't think you're going to be out a whole lot if you give those infinity planes or another one would be EC Emmerich that you can find. Um, I know Highland Woodworking carries them. The traditional woodworker carries them. Um, they carry them all over Germany. So just look up Emmerich and you'll find those as well as another alternative. Um, did he say specifically why wood wood planes? Just I like them. I feel I like that's he all he said. Them. Yeah. I mean, that's cool. I don't, I don't want to discourage you from that. Um, but there's certainly, there's, there are other lines of metal planes as well that you could look into if you found that that wasn't good. There's also, you know, looking at the Wood River lines that Woodcraft carries is another mm-hmm. middle of the road priced option in a traditional uh, metal body plane. Cool. So go for it, man. Sounds good. Man, we got a lot of voicemails today. Got to blow through good. this. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, don't get too excited, Matt, but Colin is sweaty and he wants to tell us about it. Oh, hey, okay. Mark, new Matt, and that other guy, I guess. This is Colin from Chicago. I'm sorry, Shannon, you don't get as much crap as the other guys, so it's your turn. Got a oh. question for you, bit of an odd one. 
I'm mostly a hand tool woodworker, and as such, a lot of exercise involved. And I'm a very sweaty guy. Like, <laughs> there are not enough towels in the world to handle it. So I've got really two attached questions to this. I have noticed, especially when, say, hand planing, and I'm taking a thick shaving, that I will drop sweat onto the freshly planed surface. <laughs> and I'm a little concerned about whether or not this is going to leave spots. It's going to leave moisture, what have you. So it might affect the finish. And, in addition, it makes it kind of hard to see. So my questions for you are this. One, do I have to worry about human sweat affecting things like the finish of the wood? And two, is there an effective way for me to control this besides just dousing my head in deodorant? Because that's not pleasant. (laughs) So let me know what you guys think. Been a big fan of the show, listening since almost episode 100. Finally have a question for you guys. So thanks so much. Well, that's a problem. That's, that's a good one. Yeah, <clears throat> It's known as hyperhidrosis, just in case anyone's curious. And they make deodorant specifically for hyperhidrosis. For his head? Prescription, prescription his head. deodorant. Yeah. <laughs> you just, you dunk, you just dunk your whole head in the bucket. So, no, it's just interesting. I had a, when I worked for a marketing company, I actually had a client who made a product to address hyperhidrosis. So, yeah, flashback. Um, I have had the same issue pop up where you, you know, dropping beads of sweat on the wood. I've never once had it cause me a problem later on. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I suppose it could depend upon your diet. You know, if, if you've got huge amounts of sodium in your diet, maybe it could cause some problems when the when the sweat dries. Mm-hmm. But I think if you see like chalky white spots where the sweat has dried, you should address your sodium intake before you worry about affecting the finish. <laughs> but Good nutritional no, advice I, from Shannon. Yeah. Just stop eating those Lunchables. They have a toxin amount of sodium and it's a bad idea. Unless you go on a guided bus tour to Winterger, in which case that's all you're and getting. That's is all Lunchables. there is. Oh, that <laughs> stuff is pure garbage. <laughs> but I, like I said, I've never had this be an issue because um, I'm a sweaty guy, too. I admit it. You're in good. You're in good. Uh, good company here, Colin. Um, as far as how to stop it. You know, I've been in situations when I've been like um, at the Stepping Stone Museum and it's 100 degrees outside and 98 percent humidity and you're like doing a demonstration and you're just dripping everywhere. Um, Something to be said about a headband. You look like an idiot, but let's keep it out of your <laughs> no, eyes. Man, you look like you an know? 80s rock star. I was going to say headband. embrace the Richard Simmons in you. <sighs> just, just just go with it. Man. Um, the other, well, there's, there's really a video idea it. for you, Shannon. Uh, sweat, into the hand, sweat into the hand tools. Yeah. Oh. Um, the, the whole um, uh, uh, headband thing will really keep it out of your eyes. If you put one like a wristband on, it gives you something to like mop your brow against. Um, that's the only thing I can tell you. The other thing is, is maybe you're working too hard. Maybe you need to sharpen that blade if you're working <laughs> that hard. Um, Cause I'm not exactly svelte and I do nothing but work by hand. So it doesn't have to be that much exercise. So. Sweaty guy. Yeah. You know, when Sweat. I uh, worked in biotech, this girl came in for an interview and I had to conduct the interview and she was so nervous beyond, I mean, this is definitely, what is it? Hyperhidrosis. Is that what you call it? Yeah. Definitely had that because her hands were <laughs> so wet that she's dripping on the floor during the interview. And I had to shake her hand when I was done. And I about when I had to go to the bathroom and like throw up, it was really, <laughs> it was really gross. 
I felt so bad for her though. Cause she was, she was that nervous, but clearly there was a, you know, you think I'm wondering, should he just talk to his doctor too? I mean, is there could be some prescription thing he could get to help him out? Maybe. It I don't could know. Be. Well, I mean, it, it could be as simple as keep like, you know, one of those go to like buy a yoga towel. Like mm-hmm. this is a company called yoga rat makes those little microfiber towels and just keep that on your bench. Yeah. Um, as someone who has taken up yoga in the last five months, who is a very sweaty guy, believe me, you got to have that towel around and you're slipping and sliding all over that mat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Next question. Because I look so graceful in downward dog already, slipping and sliding would be worse. <laughs> yes. No doubt about it. Uh, next question here is from Dan. Hi, this is Dan from Iowa. Been binge listening to you guys for the past six weeks. Can't get enough of you. My question is about drawers. Why is it drawer construction is always half-inch or three-quarter-inch wood, but the bottom seem to always be made out of quarter-inch wood? doesn't make sense. That'll sweat hole all the weight. Well, thanks. See you guys later. What do you think, Matt? I think my drawer bottoms are usually solid wood and thicker than quarter-inch. <laughs> I was going to say the same thing. <laughs> usually at least a half-inch thick. Maybe, half Maybe inch talking to the wrong people. My bottoms. <laughs> I think if the drawer is small, I've got no problem with quarter-inch. But I think if you're looking at manufactured pieces, that's, you know, you're going to see that uh, across the board almost. But if I have a choice, I'm, I'm going with thicker stock too. <laughs> you know, you want yeah. that extra stability there. So um, I guess yeah. it I mean, I suppose if it were plywood, I'd be totally fine with it because obviously plywood's going to have a little bit more strength to it and a quarter inch. But no, I, I minimum I'm using a half inch stock. Mainly because I've got this really cool drawer racing plane for drawer bottoms that works with half inch stock. You so, gotta have you know. an excuse to use it. Exactly. That's <laughs> that's, that's the truth. I justify it. <laughs> okay, so next one here is from uh, Joseph. Hey, Mark, Matt, and Shannon. Been watching the recorded live beads of Wood Talk Plus and all the videos in your respective channels. You guys rock. Ooh. I wanted to Ooh. ask about a comment that Shannon made on his lumber industry update where you mentioned that one of the big box stores, I believe it was Lowe's, got sued for labeling the wood as one by six inches when it truly isn't one by six inches. I was curious on how that could have happened when the big box stores have been selling two by fours for years and years. And everyone knows, well, a two by four isn't two by four. So I was just curious. Anyway, you guys are great, and I look forward to the show every week. Keep up the good work, Joe. I kind of meant to play that during the lumber update. Um, <laughs> Joe, if you're listening to this, rewind. <laughs> <laughs> but I felt bad when you, when you hear it. the little like barbershop quartet thing, stop yeah. and then listen from there. Now, but you know what? He perfectly illustrates the point because he just said, because everyone knows. Well, everyone doesn't. You know, we we may think everyone knows, but guess what? They don't. Mm-hmm. True that. They're just stupid. Stupid, stupid, regular people. (laughs) Okay. If you want to send us a voicemail, you can do so just like all those fine folks did send us a, 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 basically a a MP3 file or M4A seems to be very popular. (laughs) It doesn't really matter to me. Just uh, send us a file to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Use your voice memo app on your phone. And it's a great way to get your voicemail into the show. Now let's get to the email. Going to cruise through these. Uh, first one here is from Alex. He says, hey guys, thanks so much for the show. Been obsessively listening to you guys for the last month. We'll never look at bananas or slop sinks the same again. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't either, actually. Brings back memories. 
Very bad ones. Uh, as I progress in my woodworking and expand the efficiency of the shop space, I want to build some shop furniture, miter station, router table, few cabinets, and don't want to use construction grade sheets since I spend so much time there and actually have clients come to my shop when designing their piece. My local box store has cabinet grade pine plywood for about 30 bucks, four by eight sheet. They also sell MDF sheets for about the same price. My question is, would you guys rather use plywood, stain and seal, or use MDF and paint it? Or just use either and leave it as is. Thanks, guys. Keep up the great work. Greetings from North Hollywood, Alex. So I think you you bring up a good point. If you do have foot traffic in your shop, not that it really is going to make or break things because a shop is a shop. And if people judge you based on what your cabinetry in the shop looks like, then I, you know, they're not looking at the right things. But if you're, they're not friends of yours. Yeah, they are no <laughs> friends of yours, sir. Kick them out. If if you have like cabinets that really look good, that can be a, a bonus to you because then you can actually bring their attention to them and, and use them as some sort of a sample for, you know, maybe a, a door profile, a color, a finish type, whatever the case is. So I say go for the the better material. Um, I would not necessarily go with MDF. It's you know, maybe one of the cheapest solutions, but I don't find that MDF has that much structural integrity. It's not something I'd want to see my cabinets made out of. So definitely go with plywood. I wouldn't, you know, spend tons of money on it, but you could utilize it as a way to show them maybe the low end, you know, you get a a less expensive plywood, stain it up real nice, put a good finish on it, but show them what, you know, this is an inexpensive material and this is what I can make it look like, you know? So if you get some of those lower end sales, you have that as a sample there to show them. And then of course your work could be much better if you're buying, you know, good quality cabinet grade material, uh, you know, really good quality finishes and stains and stuff like that. So my vote is plywood, dress it up, make it look nice, uh, or go with whatever fits your budget and just don't bring it up. <laughs> you know, bring those people in there and just don't talk about it. Uh, if that fits your budget and makes a little bit more sense for you. That is all. That, that's all. That is all. And, the, and answer the end. <laughs> all right. I am next. Thank you for drinking. This is from Phil. <laughs> it says, I am doing a large 10 foot by 30 inches by inch and a half thick butcher block countertop for my kitchen. My wife and I are remodeling. I have done one in maple about half that size. I am having trouble envisioning a glue up of this magnitude. It will likely be walnut. I have rough walnut slabs from a couple of trees I milled with a friend about 18 months ago, but it's not all eight. It's not all 10 feet in length. So I have to have some stagger length to get to the final dimensions I'm picturing a pattern like a hardwood floor. I have a 20-inch planer, so I can do some two sections, but guys, I'm hesitant. <laughs> I'm picturing the nightmare of gluing of glue-ups with staggered length boards. The way I see it, I have three options. Staggered length glue-up with multiple clamping directions. Uh, two, use the 10-foot slabs I have and buy enough 10-foot stock from a local mill to finish. I know this seems expensive, but not compared to the most not compared to most countertop materials per square foot. And three, I have not completely ruled out end grain, but this approach supports the realm of, of the ridiculous. I definitely have to agree <laughs> with that one. I would appreciate any input, you, input or experience you guys might have with this. P.S. I've already suggested running the boards the short way and have been outvoted. I will outvote you on that. It sounds even worse. That's way more glue-ups. If you end up suggesting the staggered length approach, can I borrow some marks? Clamps. <laughs> Bill. <laughs> <laughs> so I am going to go with I would just do a staggered length and do a bunch of smaller sequential glue-ups to get two half panels that will fit through your planer 
it's really not that bad. I've done it before. The hardest thing about the staggered thing is making it look random. That's by okay. far the hardest thing with that. But if you're only doing maybe, I don't know, six rows at a time or something like that, that's very manageable. And if you only have maybe, it doesn't say what your, you don't really say what your mix is for like how much staggered stuff you're going to have versus how much full length stuff you're going to have. But even like with like six strip glue up, if you have, I don't know what, two or three that are staggered in there, that's not that many more clamps. I guess you need some of those 10 feet long to clamp on the ends, but that's not that bad. And I've done it without clamps too. As long as you get those boards, you kind of put them in there, you get, you get the little rub joint thing going on, and throw the next one on top. Mm-hmm. You're good to go. The question is, if you stagger, would using a full 10-foot board look weird? I don't think so. I, I've never done it. I was just trying to imagine. I don't know. I guess, it de- again, I guess it depends on the mixture. Yeah. That's the problem. you got to make it look random or right. unless you're going for a pattern. But ma- manufacturing randomness is not exactly the easiest thing. No, it's like purposely distressing. It just looks <laughs> yeah. like it always looks intentional. It looks, yeah. You know, I, I got to wonder though, like how, how far off is he? You know, how many 10 foot boards does he have? Like if he's one board short, go, go buy, buy a board. 10 footer, man. I mean, <laughs> it's I not mean, like you're not yeah, going to use the other stuff at some point for something else. Exactly. You know, that's the other thing. Yeah. It's extra cost, but if, I don't know. I mean, that just seems like a lot of work. Just go buy another one. Yes, I work for a lumber company. Go buy more wood. <laughs> or wait for Matt to have an open house or till he has too much and then it's free. There you go. It's free. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> okay. Um, you're good, Matt. You don't have anything else to say there, do you? I've I just decided you have nothing else to say. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Shannon, um, I have nothing else to say. I wouldn't even ask. Just start talking. It's true. <laughs> Matt, not that Matt, another Matt. Uh, has actually posed this question a couple of times. I was going to answer it last week before I got kicked off the show for excessive profanity. So um, here we go, Matt. can't have that. (laughs) I am a big, dumb animal, and I blued my bowl gouge when I was sharpening. How much damage did I really do? What should I do about it? So, um, you know, it's hard to say exactly how much was actually done uh, until you actually sharpen it again. And if if you determine, yeah, it's not holding an edge, then you did some damage. If you sharpen it again and it works just fine, then yeah, you probably didn't do any damage. But as far as um, how to fix it, if you actually did draw the temper out of the end, is um, you want to take that bowl gouge and go 90 degrees to the stone. Uh, The issue is as you get close to that, that Euclidean nirvana where the two edges come together into that nice sharp edge, it's really, really thin. So I was just going to heat up really, really fast. So um, you've got to get past that. And you don't have to go very far. You're moving maybe, let's say, a 32nd of an inch of steel. It's not a whole lot. But if you do that at 90 degrees to the stone, you're you're creating a flat on the end, but you're also creating, um, there's more there. Uh, there's more of a heat sink that will uh, absorb that extra heat. Get that back, then go and reestablish your bevel and just be careful as you come right down to the end. A lot of guys I know will stay on their grinder if they're using a high-speed grinder or even a slow-speed grinder, um, not a wet, a dry grinder. I mean, they'll they'll come right down to the edge till there's just a tiny little hint of a flat on the edge, and then they'll switch to something else, um, you know, either to a stone or um, a, a wet grinder or something like that. I think that might be a little bit extreme. I just think it's it's important to recognize the closer you get to that sharp point, the faster that steel's can heat up and the more you need to quench it. So good luck, Matt. Very nice. All right. Well, when we're done here, we are going to do an email extra show. 
and that is for our $4 and higher patrons at patreon.com slash woodtalk. And today we're going to talk about whether we should acclimate or not acclimate. Uh, this is going to be a good one. It really is. They're all good. They're all really good. It's going to be extra good. So if you are on the fence, you should totally um, just get off the fence and become a patron. Do it. Tons of extra content, really, with that... Uh, that extra stuff it's it's pretty good so anyway aside from patreon if you want to support us you can get a wood talk t-shirt at twwstore.com and you could leave us a review in the itunes store just look us up click on ratings and reviews and drop that sweet five-star rating that we love so much and shannon your triumphant return take over oh, your, your but i was getting man. so good at it he's no he's <laughs> gonna pee all over it it's his now <laughs> nice uh, <laughs> well you know if you have comments questions or want to know what the heck happened to bob claggett you have several ways to contact us you send us a voicemail use your voice memo app i, I love that this says use your voice memo app at woodtalkonline at gmail.com <laughs> don't go to woodtalkonline at gmail.com because first of all it's an email address we punch that into your browser that won't take you to a, a web page just uh, internet 101 there um but you can use your voice memo app to create a recording and send it via email to woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can use our contact form if you're like, you know, old and want to type stuff at woodtalkshow.com slash contact. Old school, I, baby. I like that. Kind of kind of don't feel like talking anymore. So yeah, go to woodtalkshow.com. Go to renaissancewoodworker.com. That's it. <laughs> That's all there is. <laughs> and we'll see you next time. All right. Woodwhisper.com and, and, and MattCremona.com or Slabbergasta.com or, or GiantBandsMill.com. Yeah. Any of the many domains that I have not purchased <laughs> thanks to you guys. Yep, that's, that was the 2016 domain push. We'll call that one. Uh, the MattCremona.com is another one. Yeah, exactly. Another good one. Perfect. All right. Well, <laughs> thanks for uh, listening, everyone. We will catch you next time. See you later. Macromona.biz. Macromona.net. Got last year. Co versions of everything. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.